0: exercising the first backing it up with the second now back to the guy facing down tyranny one show at a time your host david robertson all right all right welcome back to another edition of the well beyond the toll destroying the narrative I do appreciate you being a part of the program uh, still kind of unsure what i'm gonna do uh, as far as branding as as on this channel anyway um but uh kind of working it working it out trying to figure it out speaking of beyond the told though uh got the uh got the youtube channel up and running got some content on there already got more on the way I haven't figured out if i'm gonna be doing one or two videos a week but uh, i'm gonna have i'm gonna have content flowing out So there is that. Uh, Like I said, I got some on there right now. Just sort of right now, kind of um, setting the expectations or the tone. That's probably a better way to say it, the tone for the channel. Um, So, you know, kind of a variety right now, but uh, I'll hone. And they're probably, I don't know, they're probably not the best videos in the world, but um, I'll get better. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've done content creation on YouTube. But back at it, so that's good. Be sure to check that out. And by the way, it's not on the search engines yet. So if that is something you're trying to find and you're not already subscribed, you will have to type in Beyond the Told, and then it eventually will pull up. You're looking for a keyhole with a galaxy in the middle of it. That is the overall theme. Anyway, so uh yeah, I got a lot to talk about today. There are a variety of things that we need to discuss. I'm gonna start off with this Wall Street Journal. It's official. We can pretty much treat COVID like the flu. Here's the guide. New guidelines from the CDC Friday bring COVID precautions in line with those of other respiratory viruses. Why? What's going on? What is the deal? I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. We can we can sort of speculate. There's another story. I don't know if it was necessarily buried, but uh, you do kind of have to look for it. Uh, and it was it was ran on a few different platforms uh, as far as legacy media goes. I will be doing a video on this, by the way, uh, just kind of um, you know bringing some perspective to uh, and maybe an unpopular perspective. Uh, Which is fine too, but uh, to the topic, there's a story in Bloomberg. Largest COVID vaccine study yet finds links to health conditions. Shocker. It's almost like we know what we're doing here on this program. Sort of interesting. Sort of, you know, and it's funny. It was that statement alone, that statement, that got me kicked off of Facebook. And now... It's, you know, mainstream news. No big deal. Still no apology letter from Facebook. Define irony. Vaccines that protect against severe illness, death, and lingering long COVID symptoms from a coronavirus infection were linked to increases in neurological blood and heart-related conditions in the largest global vaccine study to date. Indeed. Like I said, I'm going to be doing a video on this to kind of put that into perspective. Um... And 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 here's the other thing too. I've written about this before regarding vaccines. Not all vaccines are the same. There's a bunch of different technologies, a bunch of different vaccines. Some are good, some are bad, some are flat out dangerous and deadly. Right? There are just so you're aware, there are vaccines that will kill one-third of everybody who takes it. Now, if you're up against a very deadly and painful death. Or a third of a, you know, or two thirds of a chance to live. Sometimes you got to roll the dice. Anyway, so some of the neurological disorders were GBS. Didn't we call that a few years ago? It's flat out said it. Look, this is what's going on. This is how that's going to go. I'll bet GBS cases are going to rise. And sure enough, there it is. And that's that's sort of my point. If you don't understand the technology, it's really easy to get wrapped up in the, I don't know, mystical or, you know, the the social proof or popular narratives or whatever. And it's just contortion. It's contortion. you got to know what you're up against. You have to. And if you don't know, you need to learn and study and research. But I know that's hard because of all the confusion. Right? Because of the... Uh, astroturfing and the gaslighting, and I get it. I get that it's hard, but that's why you search and search and search until you find contrarian ideas to whatever it is you're looking at. The key is in the contrast. And when you see that contrast, you get a better idea, understanding, of course, it's not an either-or, right? Either, by the way, just to to reiterate, I say it all the time in various ways, but either-or or or either-or uh, scenarios, that's a fallacy. It's In fact, it's called the either-or fallacy because that's usually not the case. So you're going to see something from the extreme on one side. You're going to see something extreme from the other side. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And chemtrails is a great example of that. Chemtrails, I, for whatever reason, that's big news here lately. Well, it's either this big conspiracy or it's not. Well, that's not... That's not the reality. You know, it is a mixture. There a lot of consp- look. Here's the thing: a lot of conspiracy theory. Just to be clear, <clears throat> the re well, I sh- well, let me back up. Say that the most successful conspiracy theories have a lot of truth in them. It's not the whole truth, but they have a lot of truth in them. That's why they're believable. So when you think about chemtrails, are there planes somewhere between 3,000 and 20,000 feet dumping chemicals out of the back of a plane? Yes. Is it for the reasons that conspiracy theorists say? Probably not. No. At least not the ones that are, you know, actually commercial operations or research operations or, you know, things like that. But, but that's my point. It's it's. I mean, we got to We got to do you want to be right or do you want to be accurate? That's that's really what it boils down to. Anyway, so back to the point. Yeah. So there are health conditions related to the COVID vaccines and it's being um it's been recognized. I mean, it was recognized before, but I should say it's been validated, it's been uh published, it's it, it is a thing. And you know, look, frankly, we're going to see more. We're going to see more because we do know uh some of the long term effects related to some of the the ingredients that have been identified some not all and when we think about some of the things that we've already seen the 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 Clint. uh sorry good lord the hints and the clues uh we can to to some degree put a little projection on that and kind of see that sure enough we're going to see more and more and more and like i said i'm going to do a video on this because you know, the clues were there. The clues were there. The clues were denied. And people were kicked off social media for even saying it. Ask me how I know. That's sort of what I mean. So, I, like I said, I will do a video on that because I think it's important. You know, if, if for nothing else, then the people, especially all the physicians and research scientists and so on and so forth that were trying to raise the alarm bell and say, look, this isn't perfect, and here are a bunch of things that you should be aware of. And they were chastised and belittled, and you know, whatever. Some of them lost their jobs, whatever it was. Validation for them, you know, and uh, but that's again, it's it's the all or nothing fallacy. We just uh, or the either or fallacy. It's we we you and I we cannot afford. Either, you know, and it's not even just health. Politically, uh, you know, your faith, it doesn't matter what it is. We cannot afford um, to fall victim of the various fallacies that uh, most people do. It's the, look, it's Pareto's principle, right? Do you want to be a part of the 80 or do you want to be a part of the 20? You have to decide. But if you're going to be a part of the 20, you have to start asking questions. You have to start ignoring popular uh narrative right and that's that's sort of the point question with boldness everything including the existence of a god for if there be one he would more pay homage to reason than blindfolded fear thomas jefferson was brilliant and that's sort of the point anyway so let's see here oh i thought this was interesting story in reason uh well reason.com i was gonna say reason it used to be a magazine Here's a poll. Almost a third of Americans say the First Amendment goes too far. Survey also found that two-thirds of respondents believe that America is on the wrong track when it comes to free speech. Yeah. So, two-thirds think we're on the wrong track. A third says it goes too far. And, folks, I gotta say once again, for the record, you cannot support love, defend, or exercise, something we do not know. If we are gonna try to save the united states if we're gonna try to save the united states or any freedom loving nation in the world from the nonsensical bs that's being shoved down their throat on the daily you kind of gotta know what you're trying to save just saying makes sense But that's kind of where we are, where where we're at. Our founders are scum, our Constitution isn't inclusive, our Bill of Rights are stupid. Uh, Well, sort of like what we were talking about last week, right? The idea, you know, people are perplexed at the idea that there are people in this country who believe that the Bill of Rights are endowed to us by our Creator and not the government. That's weird, that's weird that's twenty twenty four that's twenty twenty it's and it perplexes me. I'm floored. it says it right in the text, endowed to us by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. It's just uh, I don't know what are you gonna do but again, you know. Knowledge is transferred. We have to continually talk about it. But I'll tell you another thing, too. It would really help. It would really help. And I, I know I've been, look, I, I've been complaining about this for years and years and years and years and years. But it would really help if we started hiring constitutionalists into office. Right? Right? And again, the either-or fallacy. Well, it's either this or it's this. It's either this or... No, it's not. We live in a two-party system. No, we don't. As long as you believe it, maybe we do. But that's, that's not reality. That's not true. And as long as we continue to buy into that paradigm... And that's the weird part. I mean, you look at it, statistically speaking, Democrats make up around 24%. Um... Republicans make up about 24%. That's that's not even the majority. We live in a two-party system. No, we don't. But as long as we play that stupid-ass game, that's, that's what we're going to get. And it's unfortunate. It doesn't have to be this way. I say that all the time, don't I? It doesn't have to be this way. But it is because of the ignorant masses. Ugh. Let's move on. CNBC billionaire-backed Koch network halts Nikki Haley campaign funding after South Carolina loss. Americans for Prosperity, the network backed by billionaire Charles Koch, is pausing its financial support for GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley's campaign. Haley lost her home state primary in South Carolina on Saturday and also lost financial support from billionaire Reed Hoffman in January. Despite the setbacks, Haley's campaign affirmed her promise to stay in the race through Super Tuesday on March 5th. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. It's going to be a contentious year. It's This whole thing is crazy. Unprecedented times. By the way, I, uh, I think I told you, uh, j- but just to reiterate, just in case... Um, I went ahead and did my strategic forecast. There is a video on the strategic forecast on the YouTube channel. Uh, So be sure to check that out. It is somewhat grim, but that's what the model says. Interestingly enough, uh, again, just clarity, uh, or I should say validation uh, across the board. Here's a story from the independent Japan's birth rate rate falls to record low as population could decline by 30%. Japan's population will likely decline by about 30 to, uh, 30% to 87 million by 2070. There was another story about South Korea talking about how, you know, in however many decades or whatever it was, that they may not even exist. There's not going to be any people. Well, again and i've said it so many times there's we're facing a population decline around the world now a lot of people haven't kind of woken up to that because they're not looking <clears throat> excuse me at the <clears throat> at the cause and effect of what we're facing but i'm telling you you got to pay attention to it it's a real deal and again not a lot of people want to think about that but and, and it's again through various mechanisms. Some of it's just because people are choosing not to have kids. There's an entire generation right now very confused about a whole lot of stuff, and the last thing on their mind is procreation. That's gonna expedite the process. Then you gotta factor in the financials. People can't afford to buy what they're, you know, eating every week anyway. Can't afford rent, can't afford their credit card, can't afford their car the last thing on their mind is going to be having children. Then you got to factor in health. Obesity is on the rise dramatically. It has been, in fact, I I don't know if it's still on there or not. Let me look. Um, But there was a story this week talking about um, obesity. Obesity issues have now surpassed um, hunger issues. Which you know now here's here's the irony a lot of these obese people it's it's not about the amount of food they eat it's about the type of food they eat and to me it's indicative of uh well i don't know foods processed foods refined foods emergency foods all these things that um, essentially flip our genetics to store. And then it, it's actually, a, uh, you factor in the financials, right? If you can't afford quality food, you go to the store and you buy junk f- crap food, basically, right? Well, these crap foods, these highly refined processed foods, these cheaper foods, are not good for your body. They create inflammation, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're starting on the the weight gain. Right. And and it's just it's a self-feeding cycle and it sucks. I feel so bad for so many people because and in, in really, in a lot of ways, it is not their fault. Now, there are some that clearly it is their fault, but all you know, and I've written about obesity before the rise of obesity. But again, you know, you got to look at the bigger picture of kind of where we're going. Well, health issues is also going to reduce not only lifespan, but also procreation. I mean, you think about hormonal imbalances and so on and so forth, the ability uh, to, or I should say the lack of ability to have children, right? That trend is rising. But, Thankfully, there are some that are trying to get the word out. There's a story in The Telegraph how the world's falling birth rate is leading to economic catastrophe. And that's very true. You think about the rising debt, right, and fewer people to pay on it. It really is that simple. You think about all of the problems, all of the things, and then fewer people to chip in, essentially. That is going to be a catastrophe. Absolutely it is. And they know it. They absolutely know it. That's why some people are talking about it. And that's why some, well, we'll call them government and financial organizations, are planning for it. They are literally planning for it. But, you know, grand scope of things, it's like, eh. And the weird thing is, again, you know, here... So what was it? uh, 15, 20 years ago? I mean, I would always get... I mean, all the time I'd get people, well, that's not going to happen in our lifetime. This isn't going to happen in our lifetime. That's not going to happen in our lifetime. I and mean, it's all here in our lifetime. Well, just to be clear, I mean, when you think about cause and effect, I, I just have to tell you that a lot of the things that are being projected are just really not that far down the road. And I know I've warned about that for for a while, but we're here now. And some of the worst, frankly, is yet to come. Dr. Doom? Maybe, but, you know, for real. And then we're going to have to solve that problem and that and a whole bunch of other problems. But when we do, here's the good news. Then we'll start looking at prosperity under the new model. But we got to get there first. That's the problem. And here's the thing. This is going to start eroding at you. It's going to be nickel and dime at first, and then it's just going to be overt. I can give you a great example. I mean, right now, a lot of—so, for instance, places like apartment buildings and stuff like that, what they're doing is they're starting to switch over to where, uh, rather than include various services in the rent— Now they're charging the higher rent, and you have to pay for the extra services on top of that. So for, like, trash, water, sewage, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, you're going to be responsible for that. So, again, nickel and diming. But it's weird because we see it across various sectors. And there was a story in the Associated Press this this week that really kind of highlights the direction we're going to, uh, you know, that we're heading in. Here it is, <clears throat> story in business, Burger Chain Wendy's looking to test surge pricing at restaurants as early as next year. Now, surge pricing is interesting. Now, there are stores that are kind of already doing that. Um, you know, I would say less overt, but it's definitely happening, right? And so what surge pricing is, is basically, let's say, and I, I've tried to explain this before. I'll try to explain this simply. Um, let's say you're a store or retail outlet or whatever it is, and you have 50 units of whatever it is, and you have a set price at, let's say, $3. Okay, And regularly, on a, on a fairly regular basis, let's say you sell whatever, 10 units. 10 units a day. Right. And so you always have it in stock. You get supplied every five days, whatever. Um, but you sell about 10 units a day at $3 a piece. But then, you know, for whatever reason, over the over the course of a couple of days, that average increases. So instead of 10, maybe it's 12, maybe it's 15. Right. You're doing better because you're moving more units. But because of that surge, they increase the price. Yeah, not for any other reason, but just because they can. Right. It's sort of jacked up when you think about it. Uh, In a lot of ways, and I've heard the argument that it's sort of like price gouging, um, you know, during an emergency, except for it's without the emergency. So they get a price gouge because of demand. Now, you know. It is their business. They do have the choice, I suppose. And you could definitely go to someplace else to get that product. But and 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 again, that's fine. You know, I'm not I'm not really kind of bad mouthing business for, you know, capitalizing on on whatever the situation is, but that's sort of I mean, this is kind of the direction we're heading in. You know? And it's really messed up because here—this is where it's messed up, right? So, so for instance, some people don't have choices, really, right? And um, you're kind of taking advantage of those without options. Because those with options can easily go someplace else or whatever, but some people just don't have that luxury. And so, in a lot of ways, like a lot of things— that in theory sound nice or reasonable um, disproportionately affect those without options. And it's, like I said, you know, it's it's their business. They can do what they want. It's just sort of jacked up. Right? And and I don't know. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. In my business, oh, I'm, I'm getting tons of business. I'd be excited. I'd, I'd clearly be... Having the recipe right if I'm getting a ton of business. I'm not gonna try to jack it up and you know gouge my clients. That would be terrible. And for clarity, I reassess my pricing once a year. Because it's fair. And then that way everybody gets a, a decent shot at a at a good price or whatever it is. I don't know. It's business for you sometimes. Here's another story I thought was interesting. Market Insider, why the productivity gains from AI won't be able to prevent a recession. AI may be powering the stock market higher, but it won't stop a recession, according to David Rosenberg. AI can't change the fact that businesses are about to face a debt refinancing shock. History shows technological advancements may, uh, sorry, have uh, never altered the course of a business cycle, according to Rosenberg. Now, isn't that interesting? Because if you were to look up recession right now in your news feeds, you're going to see, oh, there's no recession. Oh, we're not heading for a recession. Everything's great. Stock market's great. Main Street's great. Consumer demand is high. You can tell by the amount that everybody is being forced to spend. Oh, what did I might have contorted that a little bit, but that's the reality. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's not going to stop the recession. Recession is very much here because of cause and effect. And the underlying causes are not being corrected. If anything, they're being added to. And that sucks. And what do I mean by added to? It's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. Look... The vast majority, especially in government, the vast majority of people are stuck in the status quo. With the old statement, that's the way we've always done it. Which is a really dangerous thing to say. We have to be agile. Did you know that the national debt is rising by $1 trillion about every 100 days now? That's insane. And it's probably going to go up because we're looking at a war scenario that they're about to double down on, by the way. And not only just in Ukraine, but like all over the world. So what happens then? So we're, we increase by a trillion dollars every hundred days. And now we're going to have less people to pay on it. Do you think that the the government's going to step up its activities regarding uh you know I don't know stealing from the American people? I do. So on top of paying higher prices and not being able to afford anything and so on and so forth, what you have left is definitely going to be robbed from you. It's interesting. As I look at, for instance, X, tons of videos of people complaining about their tax returns. I've never had to pay in before in my life. And all of a sudden, I owe a ton of money this year. What in the heck is going on? Well, again, those tax cuts are expiring. And, you know, the one thing that is interesting about the political spectrum is one side definitely loves to increase taxes. The other side loves to cut them. But it's not an either-or. Friends, for the love of Pete, as long as you buy into that paradigm, you're going to completely miss the third option. That's the irony. And you know what? The third option, the fourth option. If we really want to get creative, there's a fifth option. But we can't see those as long as we're stuck in. well, you got to cut taxes or you got to increase them. That's asinine. Look for the options. They're there. The IRS is not our friend. The IRS is unconstitutional in a lot of ways. Especially well, I mean, for we could go down this rabbit hole a hundred different ways. Point is a trillion dollars in the last hundred days. That's insanity. Just print money like crazy. And by the way, the more you print money, the less your money is worth. Supply and demand. If there are just trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of something, it's going to be worth a lot less than if there's a few. (laughs) $34.38 trillion in debt, not including unfunded liabilities, which is well north of a couple hundred trillion and rising. But we don't want to talk about that. Uh uh Story from Bloomberg. Underlying U.S. inflation probably rose. Probably rose. In January, by the most in a year, as tracked by the Federal Reserve's preferred metric, highlighting the long and bumpy path to taming price pressures. Wow. Wow. And guess what? It's going to increase. It's still going. We're going down the road, folks. That's just that's the reality of the situation. And you're going to it's a systemic deal for crying out loud. There was a story in The Wall Street Journal this week talking about signs of trouble at regional banks reignite sector fears. New York Community Bank Corp shares fell 26 percent on Friday. Guess what? You're going to see more. You're going to see more. Absolutely, you are. Now, these banks are going to try to diversify their, their asset uh, portfolios, but <clears throat> it's still going to—I mean, it it's going the way it's going because that's the way we're heading. And no one wants to stop it for whatever dumb reason. And again, you're going to see the system— Look, let's be very clear about this. Home prices are still on the rise, right? Interest rates are on the rise. Prices are on the rise, Mortgages are on the rise. Rents are on the rise, which means fewer and fewer people are going to have access to these things. Even rent. There's a reason why there was—what was it? I don't know. I want to say it was—was it August? August or September. We were talking about um, how—no, it's been sooner than that, because I was talking about how people were coming out of retirement to go back to work because they uh, couldn't—they were on a fixed income and— Now everything's shot that budget to hell in a handbasket. And so there was that. And then there's a bunch of people, uh, younger adults specifically, right? So we're getting into like 20s, 30s, even 40 years old, moving back in with the folks. And so now you have these homes that are multi-generational. Three, two, three generations. Just so they can afford But the weird thing is, they're not the big houses anymore. They're they're still the small houses that a lot of people can't afford anyway. So now you've got two, three generations in a three- or four-bedroom house. It's jacked up. Yeah, here's a story in Barron's. Home prices grew more quickly than usual at the end of 2023 to finish at an all-time high. It's a side effect of the market for existing homes that dried up as mortgage rates rose. Well, all right, that's an interesting perspective on it. I don't know that I fully agree um, because there are a lot of people who are flat out losing their homes. They're getting priced out. Now, these homes are being bought. We've talked about that before. There are large corporations that are buying up entire neighborhoods and putting them on the market for rent. That is like an industry. That's a huge thing right now. In fact, I think there are a couple documentaries on that specific phenomenon, and in a, and it's not good. It's not good because those rents are exceptionally high because they can. It's jacked up. But again, the dollars, you know, dollars in trouble, dollars in big trouble, <clears throat> and some would argue that currency in general is in big trouble, and some of it's habit, right? Absolutely. There are a lot of people—I mean, I don't normally carry cash anymore. I haven't carried cash in—not really, not anything. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I mean, if I had a good night or a good week, you might catch me with a few hundred dollars in cash, right? But I don't carry cash—maybe a couple dollars here and there for, like, tolls or parking or something like that. Some of it's coins. But most of most of what we do these days is done in card, Right, you have your debit card, you have a credit card, whatever it is, it's normally done with a card or your phone. Now, the cards are even becoming obsolete in some ways. So, I mean, that's sort of the trend anyway. So, it's not a, t- I don't know, it's not going to be that big of a change for a lot of people. But the ability, and you got to go back to something I warned about a while back. What was it? The International Monetary Fund. I want to say just a few years ago, ran a story talking about the goal being eliminating the opportunity for people to hide cash under their pillow. That's the point. That was the direction. I think it's still up. I, I know that a, um, a few months ago I looked at that. It was still up, you know, a little a few months ago. Maybe Maybe it's been almost a year since I looked at that. But it's flat, I mean, it's there on the internet. You can go read it right off of their website. That was the goal. Getting the world into a position where people couldn't hide cash under their pillow or their mattress or under their bed or whatever it was. And then you have to ask, why? Why do you care whether or not I have cash on hand or under my pillow or in my safe or whatever this situation is? Why? And then you can look at For instance, them wanting to examine transactions over $600. Now, define irony that that's supposed to be an organization for the people, of the people, by the people, and you can't audit them, you can't audit the Fed, you can't audit Fort Knox, you can't audit anything for your safety, for national security, or whatever it is. Folks, the idea of being a free, independent, strong, liberty-driven nation is, 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 well, it just it hasn't been a thing for a while because we accept it. Again, cannot support love defender exercise, something you do not know. Point being, CBDC is on the way. A central bank digital currency is on the way. And it will likely replace the dollar, which is dying. Now, that 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 fact is, for whatever reason, debatable. I don't and I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But it is people will debate. Oh no, no, that's fine. And their 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 excuse is this: well, it's better than other currencies. Some other currencies, maybe. But it's been pegged as the primary and only reserve uh, standard or a tier one. And it's going to get worse. Absolutely, it is. It has to. It's 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 absolutely on the way. Anyway, but it's not even just here in the United States. There was a story in Finextra. The European Central Bank has been working on developing a digital Europe. Uh, sorry, a euro, a central bank digital currency that would operate as an electric equivalent to cash in the EU. The progress on the digital currency has not been without its hiccups. With the ECB recently publishing blog posts debunking common myths on the impact of the digital euro to dissipate fears of its release. To dissipate fears of its release. Which, by the way, means it's impending. However, as the digital euro could be pivotal in retail banking and how people in the EU operate financially in the future, it's a good time to catch up on what we know about the digital euro as of 2024 and what when we can expect further advancements. And then of course, it goes on, talks about some of what it is, and they're you know, talking about um, you know, why people should or shouldn't be uh, afraid of it. But then I'll read you the end. Bank de France stated that it as uh, stated that as the decision to issue the digital euros has not been made and can only be made once the legislation around the digital currency has been defined, the actual issuance of the digital currency could be stretched to 2027 or 2028. Which, to be clear, is only three years away. Three or four, depending on how you want to look at that. And that might be a stretch. Because, you know, normally what they do is they're like, "Well, oh, that's down the road. Don't worry about it. And then, surprise. But here in the United States, uh, I think we're getting close. I think we're getting close. There's a story in Central Banking. Centralbanking.com, by the way. It's a really good website to kind of get insider information about some of the discussions that are happening. Because it's not just the United States. It's kind of all over the world. Centralbanking.com. Pretty decent. Pretty decent. Anyway, here's a headline. U.S. CBDC could enhance dollar's international role. U.S. Central Bank digital currency could increase the dollar's role as a transaction medium, according to new research from economists at the Federal Reserve Board. Quote, For the international role of the dollar, a widely accessible U.S. CBDC at the margin is likely to enhance the appeal of the dollar, according to Gene Fleming and Ruth Judson. Physical bank notes, they point out, carry greater risk of theft than a widely available CBDC. They're building the narrative. They're coming up with the excuses. They're 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 putting it together. Okay. And then we can look at the Forbes this week. Leak reveals a Fed CBDC digital dollar could be closer than you think amid a huge Bitcoin and Ethereum price boom. Bitcoin price has doubled over the last six months, pushing the Ethereum price up with it as a Wall Street rush into Bitcoin gives crypto credibility. Now leaked comments from a closed door meeting between Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell and senior Democrats has revealed discussions on the creation of a Bitcoin crypto inspired central bank digital currency, sometimes called a digital dollar, are continuing. So it hasn't gone away. Even though they tried to quell fears about that, they were like, nope, yeah, it's definitely still going. But um, you know, timelines, that's the hard thing. But it is coming. It is coming. And it's interesting because some of the, the some of the names involved are uh, you know, as far as like trying to share the warnings of what's going on are vast. Right. Every week I present a different economist or policymaker or something like that, who are all saying basically the same thing, different percentages, different timelines, whatever, but all generally saying the same thing. Well, General Mike Flynn, and I know he's kind of a polarizing figure sometimes, but even he's been like, man, we are heading for a disaster. And, of course, um, you know, that's been an interesting thing. Um. But, it, you know, it was big news this week. It was on, uh, what was it, Microsoft? Um, story by uh, Jay Hamid talking about how, let's say I'll, I'll read you part of this. Um, let's see, blah, 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 de-dollarization dilemma. I'll get into that in a little bit. Okay, so turbulence is brewing on the financial horizon, and if you're not yet in the loop, it's high time you catch up. The recent bombshell dropped by none other than ex-U.S. military general Mike Flynn has sent ripples through the calm waters of American economic discourse. With a tone that's less forewarning uh, and more for a fire alarm, Flynn has vehemently spotlighted the impending financial shift that could see the U.S. dollar's dominance on the global states not just challenged— but potentially dethroned. This is a calculated prediction backed by observable shifts in international monetary dynamics, particularly in light of BRICS. Plot against the Greenback's hegemony. Where have you heard that before? Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. But of course, you know, here's another story. This comes from... Uh, Money-wise, de-dollarization is happening. Are countries ditching the U.S. dollar in favor of China's yuan? FXC analysts share a true picture of what's really happening and how that might impact you. Now, that's, again, that's misdirection. And here's why. De-dollarization is happening. That is true. The question posed is misdirection. Are countries ditching the U.S. dollar in favor of China's yuan? No. Well... Some are, but it's not about the yuan, because the yuan is being positioned to be a central part of the BRICS, and that's the point. That's the point. That's the thing you have to look at. That's the thing you need to be aware of, because, again, it will be a basket of currencies that dethrone the dollar. It's the only way they can do it, and they know it, and that's what they're trying to do. Now, how could that possibly be a thing? Here, here's I want to I want to read you something. Same article. Um, from the section that says how this might impact you. Suffice it to say, the FXC and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, data suggest it would, uh, it would likely take a very long time for another single currency to actually dethrone the dollar. So your long-term purchasing power, savings, and investments are likely safe. Likely safe, right? So a little bit of uh, ambiguous tone there. If you're concerned about the decline of the power of the greenback, you may want to diversify your investment portfolio. And here, stuck in the middle of this very long article, is sort of the point. For instance, investing in gold is a great alternative You remember when they used to tell you that gold wasn't? Avoid gold. Avoid gold. Avoid gold. But here it is. For instance, investing in gold is a great alternative because unlike the U.S. dollar, which has lost 98% of its purchasing power since 1971, gold's purchasing power remains more stable over time. 98% 98% loss since 1971. That doesn't include the parts. It is much higher when you go back to the introduction of the Federal Reserve in 1912 or 1913. Doesn't matter. Pick one. Look at the death of the dollar since 1913, it's significantly higher than 98%. But it's only been 98% since 1971. Question, what happens next? Are we going to gain back 98% of its value anytime soon? Probably not, especially if we're dumping out a trillion dollars every hundred days. The dollar is dying, and that's evidenced by the numbers, but people like to lie to themselves. Well, your investments, your savings, they're probably okay. And no, people aren't ditching the dollar for the yuan. What are you worried about? Well, the yuan, just to be clear, is a part of the BRICS. And the BRICS is a basket of currencies. And these people are trying to dethrone the dollar. And it's not exactly a shock. It is news. You can see it. It has been stated very clearly. Matter of fact, here is a story. Russia, China, India ditch U.S. dollar in 95% of bilateral trade. BRICS members, Russia, China, and India, have reduced their use of the U.S. dollar in their trade by 95%, which shows a sign of BRICS growing efforts towards de-dollarization. For the love of Pete. But, hey, are they all, you know, is everybody ditching the dollar to go to the Yuan? No, they're ditching the dollar to go to the BRICS which was the point, and that's been the warning, and that's been known, but you're being misdirected. Question, why? So frustrating. But you know what's interesting? You can look at gold and look at its value, and as it increases in price is also reflective of the decrease in value of the dollar. So the more gold goes up, the value of the dollar goes down. Now, here's a story in our game. okay. I thought this was interesting. Oil price could rise to $100 per barrel. Again, it's a petrodollar. And gold prices could reach $3,000 per ounce within the next 12 to 18 months. Subject to three potential catalysts, CNBC reported citing city analysts. Gold's currently trading at 2016 could surge by about 50% of central banks' dramatically increased purchases, and they likely will, as they have been $3,000 an ounce. See, and this is what I'm saying the bigger picture paints a very vivid tale. Of what is truly going on. And most people are going to miss it because they're looking at the fluff pieces on CNBC about how everything's awesome. Don't worry, nobody's ditching the dollar for the yuan. Misdirection. And what I've just shared with you in the last probably ten minutes, nine minutes, whatever it was, is the big, big, ginormous point. And without that robust perspective, without that contrast, you do not find those answers. You do not see that truth. So if the dollar, think about it, if gold is going up, is going to shoot up that much, that means the dollar is going down. What does that mean for your investments? The same thing it meant for your investments since 1971, with the dollar dropping 98%. Investments are weaker than then, since back then. So you got inflationary components. You have D-dollar value, uh, the devaluation of the dollar by about 2.5% at least every year compounded. That's what I mean. Like, it's just insane to me. And that's why they tell you you can hedge your investments. You hedge because um, value doesn't really change. Right. Gold is why this is literally why I said or why I say, in 1913, you could buy a suit and a gun for an ounce of gold. Today, you can buy a suit and a gun for an ounce of gold. In 20 years, you'll be able to uh, you know, buy a suit and a gun for an ounce of gold. But the same is not true for the for the amount of currency that used to be attached to it. It's going to take more and more dollars, and eventually the dollar is going to die, and no one is going to want to take it because there's going to be this other thing probably the CBDC which will replace the dollar at some point. And that's not me just that's look that's not that's what they're saying that's what the Fed is exploring that's what Europe is exploring. And that's that's what's so jacked up about the situation. But again, I do think we're, we're in that economic upheaval. This is all just stuff associated with it. And, it, and it's going to suck and it's going to hurt. And business is going to change. It already is. It's already changing right now as we speak. Retail, AI, robots, information, service industry, the whole nine yards. And I'm telling you, what I, what, what I have said from the very beginning is that creativity Your personal spin on whatever it is you do is what will save you. That is the limitation of robots and AI is the creativity. But that's always been the case. And that's why why I've said it. It's the creativity, the implementation. Look, just like you can go to Quick Trip or whatever your local gas station is and, you know, see a dozen different types of energy drinks. Everybody's creativity provides a different brand, a different mixture, a different you know, ingredient or whatever it is, and then people either buy it or they don't. Creativity is key. Innovative practices, strategy, these things are critical, which is why I write about and study and develop individuals regarding leadership and organizational development. That's why that's so important. Anyway. So as we move into the war cycle. Again, I, I I do believe that governments around the world desperately want a war. Like a big war. But they got to sell it. They got to sell it. And it's funny because... You know, you look at it, like, so, for instance, what's going on in Ukraine, you know, and I've said it so many times. It's like they're they're just checking off the list. What are the things that are necessary to get into the bigger war? Okay, we're going to do this and this and this and this and this, and they're just going down the line. But you're kind of seeing it there in the Middle East as well. You're kind of seeing it in the South Pacific, and in a lot of ways, you're seeing it here in the United States. For example, story in the Wall Street Journal, the United States is to deliver aid to Gaza through military airdrops. Humanitarian campaign to be operated by the U.S. Air Force is set to begin in the coming days. Airdrops for supplies, food. Who do you think is going to get that? Like, you don't even have to... Who do you think is going to get it? Do you think Hamas... Is going to be like, ah, yeah, just give it to the people. No. No. Look, if you, if you, th- I mean, look, maybe some civilians might get a little of it, but how many times in history do we have to see where there's like a ruling party or war, you know, war faction or whatever who's in charge of a certain area, humanitarian aid comes in and they seize it? How many times? before we just recognize that that's what's going to happen. That's probably what's going to happen. So they're going to get resupplied, they're going to get uh, squared away, and then you're going to see a resurgence. And then, you know, people are going to be, oh my God, we didn't see that coming, that's crazy. Oh my gosh, they're there's such terrible people. They're such terrible people. Hey, they're such terrible people. Here's our excuse. Story in Jerusalem Post, October 7, Part 2, Iran plans for terror during Ramadan. Defense Minister Gallant presses for more West Bank Palestinian workers, slams uh, Ben Gvir on uh, Temple Mount. Defense Minister Gallant on Tuesday warned that Iran, Hezbollah, and Hamas are trying to use Ramadan to inflame the region so as to achieve another October 7 disaster against Israel. According to Gallant, their hope is to provoke Palestinians in the West Bank, Hezbollah, and Arabs and Muslims across the region to attack, in turn, their rage on Israel, using the Temple Mount intentions tensions in the West Bank as an excuse. Defense Minister has been leading a, uh, a leading voice for smashing Hamas, and earlier in the war, tried to persuade the war cabinet to launch a preemptive strike on Hezbollah. Prelude Prelude in the Middle East. Here's Prelude in the Baltics. U.S. Defense Secretary issues chilling warning on NATO's looming war with Russia. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin believes a war between NATO and Russia will become inevitable if Ukraine falls and Vladimir Putin is not stopped. Well, what do you think the odds are that Ukraine is going to win on their own? NATO could be dragged into a war with Russia if Vladimir Putin's forces are not stopped in Ukraine. Okay. Here's another story. EU leaders wary of Macron, or sorry, after Macron doesn't rule out Western troops in Ukraine. They're already talking about it. French President on Tuesday faced uneasy reactions from European allies and warned from the uh sorry and a warning from the Kremlin after he refused to rule out the dispatch of Western ground troops in Ukraine in its fight against the Russian invasion, which I don't understand that's that's weird, but they're getting the idea out there if Lloyd Austin is talking about NATO going to war, understanding that NATO is largely comprised of the United States, but NATO's going to go to war with Russia. If Ukraine falls, here's the French going, yeah, well, we're not ruling it out. We definitely have to send some troops, you know, and supplies and money and the whole nine yards. Where do you think this is going? Here's another story, Newsweek. NATO will be drawn into war with Russia if Ukraine loses. But Point-counterpoint, again, key is in the contrast. Here's a story. Nuclear threat. Russia will drop entire arsenal on London, Washington if it doesn't win Ukraine war. I think we talked about that a little while back. Those were comments that came from uh, Dmitry Medvedev. Kaboom. Here's an interesting story from The Telegraph. Russia is using private militias to control and weaponize immigration into Europe. Kremlin has uh, has influence over a number of the main routes into the continent, and border police are warning that with the arrival of spring, Russia is likely to intensify its efforts to move migrants. It's been widely feared that Vladimir Putin is using the tactic to destabilize Europe. What, 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 whoa! Whoa! Let's just pull the reins back here. Who wrote this article? Haley Dixon from The Telegraph? Oh my gosh. It's widely feared that Vladimir Putin is is using the influx of migrants to destabilize Europe? Oh my gosh. Is that racist? That's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting that it... It somehow exists in a bubble. Also interesting, moving along. Was that a political point? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know what's interesting? Throughout history... By the way, going all the way back to ancient Rome, there has been a destabilizing effect to large influxes of migrants who are not citizens, who don't care about the founding, the reason, the culture, etc., etc., etc. It's not new. So, if somebody, anybody, is trying to, for any reason, invite or weaponize an influx of migrants into any territory, there is, considering the thousands of years of evidence. To demonstrate its outcome, one really has to ponder the true um, motives of anybody who would do that. It's not humanitarian. Promise you that. Promise you that. Anyway, thought this was—and by the way, this is indicative of where we're going, just so you're clear. Uh, This is a story in the Associated Press. Um— and again, this is a demonstration of where we're going. They, this would not have occurred if we are not absolutely heading to some place very specific. Story out of Stockholm, Associated Press. Sweden's last war ended in 1814, and when the rifles and cannons aimed at Norway fell silent, the once warring power would not take arms again. Sorry, take up arms again. For the next two centuries, Sweden embraced a policy of neutrality, refusing to take sides in wars or join any military alliance. It was a stance that kept peace at home and contributed to the country becoming a prosperous, welfare state and humanitarian superpower. This remarkably long era of non alignment is coming to a close as Sweden joins NATO. The ceremonial formalities are expected soon, after 18 months of delays while Turkey and Hungary held up ratification and sought concessions from other members of the alliance. 200 years of neutrality coming to an end on the cusp of what will be a global war. That is, in my opinion, first of all, they didn't come by that decision lightly. Second of all, in a lot of ways, I think it speaks to the sheer scope of what they're expecting. 200 years, which means they didn't get involved, as you're probably well aware, didn't get involved in World War II. World War II was huge. And they're, they're, all of a sudden they're like, uh, okay, well, you know what, let's, uh, let's go ahead and make this thing formal that might very well be indicative of the scope that they expect. Could be big. I guess we'll see. Time will tell. It's on the way. Here's a story from Bloomberg. U.S. sees China's space threat growing at breathtaking pace. China's growing its military capabilities in space at a breathtaking pace to counter the American satellites in orbit and prove its ability to monitor and target forces on Earth, according to the head of the U.S. Space Command. America's top strategic challenger is seeking to develop advanced space weaponry and making advances in satellite meteorology, human spaceflight, and robotic space exploration, according to General Stephen Whitting, said during a hearing Thursday, the United States, uh sorry, the Senate Armed Services Committee. Story goes on, but you know, again, Space Force changing the way the world does warfare. I thought this was very interesting. Yep, so even the uh, battlefields are beginning to change. And there's a few other stories, but uh, I think you get the point. I'm not going to beat it to death, but um, yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Perspective is key. Stay away from the either-or fallacy, and truth will reveal itself. Don't forget to check out the website, dmrpublications.com. Don't forget to check out the new YouTube channel. I guess it's the old channel, but revamped, Beyond the Told. And, uh, yeah, got a lot of good stuff on the way. And, um, yeah, I guess that about does it, guys. I want you to have a fantastic weekend. Do the best you can. Uh, Take care of each other. We'll see you next week. Until then, take care.